Welcome to the book club that sure is not your mom's romance book club, but it is my mom's. I'm Ellen, and joining me as always is my mom. Hi, mom. How's it going? Hello, Ellen. I am... I know I've used this one before, but I am phenomenal. Um, That's phenomenal. Um, phenomenal. So so today we are going to talk about uh, Hate to Want You by Alicia Rye, and later we are going to talk about one of the OG rom-coms, Pillow Talk, starring Doris Day and Rock Hudson. But first, Mom, what have you been reading? You know, I was trying to think about it. I was like, why can I not read? I mean, I retired this year. I'm home way more than I used to be home. And I still can't get as much reading done as I used to get done. And I figured out my problem is your dad is home more than he used to be. And so when your dad's home, I don't feel like I can go sequester myself away and read. He used to be gone a lot more. And I could, you know, just come home from work, grab a bite to eat, and lock myself in my room and read all night but now I don't feel like and I can not do that. feel bad about and taking time for yourself at all okay so the last time we discussed what I was reading mm-hmm. we did a duke by default right yes okay so then I read Lisa Claypuss's book uh, Devil's Daughter which I loved because I loved West Ravenel um I need to read that you- one <laughs> and apparently it's a favorite because Hello Stranger is one of our biggest podcasts <laughs> By, like, a long shot. I know. So y'all must love Lisa Kleypas. But um, this is the sequel to that. And um, it was great. Loved it. Uh, Then we read Lady in Waiting by Marie Tremaine, which was our last mini episode. And then I read Hate to Want You, which I literally just finished 10 minutes ago. So I haven't um, had time to start. Don't start reveal even. our secrets. <laughs> yeah, so a little look, glimpse behind the curtain there. Yeah. Um, okay, I actually have some books that I sort of what? read. No way, lies. No. Well, so I realized, like, okay, I'm not reading as much as I used to. What's a way I can change this? And I walk a lot, and so I've been doing more audiobooks. Um and so I read Montana Heat by Jennifer Ryan and When You Dare by Lori Foster. Um, they're both authors that are going to be at KissCon that I had that I had yet to read. Um, so I wanted to check them out. And they're both kind of romantic suspense, which I hadn't done in a while. Um, so it was fun. I would say Montana Heat is kind of like room meets romance with romance in it <laughs> which you know yeah interesting yeah. combination yeah um and but i would say i probably have enjoyed when you dare more um is it something that mom could read yeah i yeah i would say so i think you would like when you dare more than montana heat than room, yeah. With room, I, I liked I liked Montana Heat. It's just that um, there were some aspects that got um, well. I don't know. I I I just have enjoyed When You Dare More. But yeah, so that's what I have been reading, and I'm look at you go, girl. I'm gonna read uh, Space next, I think, before. I dive into our next book, so I'm excited to do that as well. well Space by Penny Reed. Right. I want to read those two, 
I kind of think I might wait till the last one comes out. Yeah, that's fine. Thanks for um, giving me permission. You're welcome. <laughs> okay, so today we are going to be talking about Hate to Want You by Alicia Rye. It is the first book in her Forbidden Hearts series, and Mom, the whole series is out. What? Yeah. It is followed by Wrong to Need You and Hurts to Love You. And Mom, I would just like to verify that I totally nailed it on who those two books are going to be about. Oh, well, I could tell you. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk more about that. Yes. Okay. So uh, here's the description that I wrote for this one. Since ending their relationship 10 years ago, Livy Kane and Nicholas Chandler have found a way to still find pleasure in each other's arms and other body parts. Uh, one night, once a year, wherever Livy may be at the time, and no one finds out. Especially not anyone in their respective families who have been feuding for as long as they have been broken up. Nicholas is running the family business, the family business that used to be shared with Livy's family. But when Livy comes back to town, Nicholas is suddenly finding it harder and harder to focus on the business and finding it harder to care about why the fa- their families hate each other. More important than the long-held feud for Livy is risking her heart once again in the face of all her pent-up emotions for Nicholas. They may hate to want each other, but can they learn to love to love each other? Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> Um, okay, so, Mom, what did you think of Hate to Want You? Ellen, I really liked this book. Yeah. And we had a lot of people who were, well, we're probably going to get into the steaminess. Yes, we are. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we had, we had people that were like, oh, this one should be interesting because it's pretty steamy and, you know, Mom, well, it's not even that Mom doesn't do well, it's that I don't do well with Mom reading. (laughs) Right. I read, I do just fine. Ellen doesn't like to talk to me about stuff like that. Uh, yeah. There was, like, things I wanted to highlight in sex scenes just to, like, help me remember to talk about them. And I was like, no, I can't highlight that because then mom's going to see it. <laughs> and be like, what is wrong with Why you? Why did you highlight this? <laughs> um, but, yeah, this one was, it's, it was, uh, it's fun. It's definitely, not fun, I don't know if that's the right word, but it's, it was fun in that it's different than a lot of the other books yeah. that we've read, especially lately. Definitely a Romeo and Juliet kind of feel to it. Yeah, much more angsty than where yes. we usually go. Um, but, yeah, I still, honestly, I might say that I found, I was more kind of grabbed by, like, the whole family feud thing than even maybe their romance but um just that whole she did a really good first of all she's a very good writer right and i think there's lots of aspects to the story that are going to come out in the later books oh yeah and um because there were a lot of unresolved things that they were hinting at but not that never came to light in this book so i have a feeling she's setting us up for well, this whole cavalcade of characters is obviously still going to play a big part in who the next two books are about. Right. Um, but yeah, I think she's a very good writer. I thought she did a really good job of, I mean, this is a, it's definitely got some first book going on, right? right. There's a lot of setup, um, but she did a good job of keeping it engaging the whole time and also, um, making me either care about all the characters or deeply resent the ones that I'm supposed to. Well, a lot of times with a first book, especially 
they'll bring up people and they have nothing to do with the story that you're reading at the time. It's like, why did they even throw this person out there? But at least the people that you can see who the other books are going to be about, they played integral parts in this story as well. So, yeah. Well, because they're all related. and they Right. All... And so it all kind of plays into each other, making it a first book, but with less of first book syndrome, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I... Yeah, I would definitely say I didn't feel it. I, I didn't feel the first book syndrome as much. Like, I wouldn't call it a syndrome in this case. I just felt right. that it was a first book, you know? Right. Um, but yeah, so let's uh, let's dive in. What did you think of Livy as our heroine? I really liked Livy. I liked yeah. the, um, she's got, like we like, we like those fighters. We like mm-hmm. the, and... I think she did a really good job of dealing with Libby obviously suffers from depression and she did a really good job of like talking her talking her character through all that and the boxes she makes around her tattoos and how meaningful her tattoos were. Yeah, I liked I liked the whole aspect of her tattoos and how kind of the mystery of them unfolded like yes. as we got through the book. Um I did like the depression aspect of her character, but I don't know if um, maybe it was just me, but it felt slightly like kind of tacked on there at the end. I know that there was like hints of it throughout, but, um, I don't know, like when it became this like big issue for her in fearing to be with Nicholas, that felt like it kind of came out of nowhere for me personally. I don't know if that makes sense. It does. Um, I think a lot of that was just because, you know, she hadn't really shared a lot of that with a lot of people. And, yeah. like, even her family, she said she hadn't shared it with, that Jackson was really the only one who knew about what she was suffering from. Yeah, that's true. And so until he showed up, she didn't really have anyone that she could share it with or talk to about it with. And yeah, when we're getting sense. her POV, it's not like it's something that you talk to yourself about a lot. She just yeah. would talk herself, kind of de-escalate herself as much as she could. But I liked this kind of, like, when she's talking to Jackson, they talk about this marshmallow right. thing with her. And I liked that as as her character, that, that she's just kind of, she has this kind of tough girl exterior, you know, with her, all of her tattoos and things like that. And she kind of puts on a brave front. But, you know, she spends this whole book just, like, really searching for love and affection and, you know, from well, Nicholas and her with, family. Yeah, with her family. And not just Nicholas, but, but trying to... You know, salvage, salvage your family as well. Yeah, and I thought I thought that was really sweet, and I liked kind of seeing her on that that journey. Yeah. Um. So, what did you think of Nicholas as our hero? I liked Nicholas. Um, he definitely had some issues that he had to work through. Like, I could yes. totally get where she was coming from, where I, I don't want to be with this guy unless he can overcome this family dynamic that he has going on yeah and obviously there's lots of secrets that are still going to come out mm-hmm. i mean the whole thing we'll talk about that in a second okay but um i could see how she like i as you know good looking and great as he is and as mm-hmm. much as he loved her i wouldn't go with him again unless he was over this whole thing with his dad and yeah I would say that we definitely get more of a sense of Livy than we do of Nicholas. And I think that he kind of gets into those reasons 
in the end. But I would I felt like I I knew and understood Livy more than I I well, did. I think you're him. supposed to. Yeah, and then at well, because at the end when he's kind of like confessing his love to her and things like that. He, I wrote this down. He says, I know I'm not good at expressing my emotions. I'm rigid and I have control issues. I want to do better by you and I will, but I'll probably slip up now and again. I'm not perfect either. Whatever perfect even means, you'll have to love all of me just like I'll love all of you. I thought that was sweet. That was sweet. I did like, I'll tell you what I really liked about his character is, you know, he was this straight-laced business guy, Mm -hmm. uptight. Um. I really liked how, as he let himself be more vulnerable, it made him feel stronger. And I liked that aspect of his journey in that as he broke down some of those walls, that he was afraid to break down because it meant he was being vulnerable and letting out some of his vulnerability. But as he did that, he realized it was really making him a stronger individual. And that's really healthy way to look at things. I think when he kind of came into the company, his role was just um, playing the mediator between right. his dad and his grandpa. And he talks about how that's his job in the company is that is this. But I think, um, I don't know, I'll be interested to see if it comes up in the next two books that he takes more of you know, a stance probably against his dad and his dad's decisions for the company in in the following books. I was surprised, and I'm sure this will come up again, but I was surprised. I really thought the grandfather was going to give her his share of the company. I, here's what, well, we'll talk about, we'll talk about what I think is going to happen. Okay. <laughs> but um, that, was, that surprised me that didn't happen, so that's why I think that's probably something that is going to come up later on. Yeah. Um... But yeah, I um I liked I liked him as I liked that he had I feel like a lot of times well, I don't know that I can say that actually. But um that he had a pretty strong emotional journey in the book as well. Um I feel like sometimes it's like one or the other right. gets that. Um but that he equally had A pretty strong one, you know? Well, this is one of those books where they were both pretty broken at the beginning. Yeah. And they both had a journey to take. Yeah. And we were along for the ride. And it was good. So let's kind of talk about that. Let's chat about their relationship. Okay. Healthy or unhealthy? (laughs) I think it was pretty unhealthy. I think for the past 10 years, it had been extremely unhealthy. Um, Here's what I thought. 10 years isn't awfully long time to be doing this and to be behaving like this. Um, And I don't know, to just and, you know, they both acknowledged that they were like holding themselves back from other people. You know, he talks about how he dated other people, but he always found himself single by the time her birthday rolled around. Right. So that he um, could go be with which her. Is, which is good. I'm glad he wasn't, like, cheating on other women so that he could be with her. But, um, but I don't know. That's, like, a long time to, like, be holding yourself off from all people. Well, and I think that's why she, you know, she's, when she hit 30, she's like, I, this isn't healthy. I can't do this anymore. I, yeah. I'm an adult now, and I need to move forward with my life. And it, like, was hard on him. He <laughs> didn't <Yeah>. like that. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, and I think the the whole book is about them going from being unhealthy to healthy. You know, like there's this major shift in their relationship that there's that night when they're like, let's just talk about stuff. Let's talk like we used to and have there be more to this than just banging. <laughs> and and they be banging. <laughs> <laughs> they be banging. Um, but yeah, so I think... I think that's pretty key pivotal moment in in their shift from unhealthy to healthy. I agree. Um they talk about their relationship in the beginning being kind of like an addiction, right? That mm-hmm. like he kind of is always craving his next hit and like um and yeah, I would say that that is what they were both like. It's like they seemed normal and fine and they're hiding this you know, thing that they go off and do. And it's, it is, it's like a drug addict, you know. Well, and she would even say that afterwards she would, you know, drive home crying the whole time. It's like, gosh, this is so unhealthy. Yeah. Can't you people see this? <laughs> yeah. Um, I really liked this, this line that um, her aunt, I'm, I will, I'm not going to know how. I always I'm, said melee, but I'm not sure that that's Yeah, that's kind it. of what I would think as well. Um. But she tells, she's talking to Livy and she says, society tells women that they have to be responsible for the emotional health of their relationships and then tells them they're weak for feeling emotions. And I really liked that because, um, yeah, I would, I, I think, I don't think that anybody's full out coming out and saying that, but I think a lot of the emotional health of relationship does often fall to the woman. I think because we care more about it so like we the push. emotional strength that's yeah I mean, not that we care more about the relationship but we care more about the emotional how Health how it of the relationship yes yes y- yeah and um but yeah but then when we're seen as too emotional then we're drama queens and we're yeah yeah and yeah. I thought that was a really good point, and I thought especially for them, because I think that that's something she she feared, right, is, um, and there's that moment where he says, like, stop being so dramatic, and she's like, and she kind of flips out on him right. a little bit. Excuse me? <laughs> well, and, you know, because, and, and I like that that's a moment where he's like, that's something that my father said to my mother, and right. now I feel like shit, <laughs> you know? Yes. Um, so I'm glad that he immediately regretted that, but I'm also glad that she called him on it. And But that was something that she feared already because she suffers with de- this depression. And I think, you know, she worried, like, am I going to just be seen as drama queen anytime? Right, I, that I, I get I, emotional. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I thought that was an interesting thing to explore and to call out that um, yeah, we do often carry the brunt of the emotional health of a relationship, and um, yeah, so that was point good. point well made, Alicia. Ray. Um, okay, what do you think is going on here? Do you think that their respective dead parents were actually mm-hmm. having an affair, and there was something about Eve maybe not being Brendan's daughter that was hinted at towards the end? So. And they made a point of pointing out that she has straight black hair. So, 
I was not. I was thinking maybe they that they had not been having an affair up until that point. Right. I was thinking that maybe they weren't, and that maybe for some reason, like maybe she was hurt about something, and he said, "Let me drive you up to the, you know, cabin." Or yeah, I kept thinking. I bet they're not having an affair because that seemed extremely obvious. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, now that they've put into question Eve's parentage. Mm-hmm. So, and if she, if that, if she is the love child of her mother and, um, you know, Libby's dad. dad, then that would make her neither Orca, Oka, nor Chandler. And, but she would be Kane. Oh, yes. So I think that maybe the grandpa might turn some shares over to her. Um, that could be. Someone needs to do that. Poor girl was just treated like crap. Yeah. But I think she was treated like crap. I mean, because they're, like you said, they're they're hinting at the fact that maybe Brendan's not her dad. And that's why he keeps treating her like crap. Yeah. And using her as a pawn in all his scheming. And why, and you know... Nicholas kind of senses that maybe there is something going on there. And I think that's even more so why he was like, I have to protect her and I have to make sure she doesn't get screwed over in this situation. Um, Right. Or it could turn out, you know, she's a product of his mom having an affair with someone else and not, yeah, uh, not Libby's dad. And, but I feel like with the whole, I think it's going to, I think, because here's the other thing, is um, she kind of, Eve and, and um, Livy are talking towards the end, and she says, when you left, it was really hard on me because and she it was like sister. I lost a sister, and I yeah. was like, hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so um, I think that's what's going to be going on. People who have read all three books are just like screaming at us right now, but right. Um, but it's like I said, in some ways I would say that the family drama here grabbed me more than the romance did. Right. I, I got, she did a really good job of, um, uh, making you, I mean, and that's, it's a lot of people to kind of like educate you on and a lot of family history to kind of. I also kind of would like to know more about Paul's death. They don't talk a lot about it. And, you know, Livy's brother. I bet there's going to be more to it and it, because the second book, like I called before Jackson even showed up, is about Jackson and, and Sadia. Um, yeah. Um, the, and the way they didn't talk about it, like they hardly ever, at one point they hinted that he was out hiking or something. And yeah. uh, but Nicholas really felt bad because he was all by himself. And so I got thinking, well, did he commit suicide? Because they never. I don't think so. I think it was I don't think so either. Like but it, it was like an accident, like a hiking accident kind okay. of thing. Anyway, I, there's still secrets to be revealed, and I'm, I'm sure. I, yeah, I'm sure. I think I'm going to have to finish this one, finish this series, because yeah. I'm dying to know what's going the rest on. of it. Yes. I know. Okay, mom, let's talk about sex, baby. Okay, let's talk about sex, because there were a lot of people like going on and on about how, oh, you guys, and so maybe that kind of made me think, you know, like brace for the worst. Yeah. And there was a lot of sex, and it was well, explained in great detail. It's not even that there was, like, a lot more than any other book that we've That's read. That's probably true. It was a little bit more gratuitous than it, maybe. It was explained quite a bit. 
Yeah. However, there was nothing too weird and funky. So I was pretty okay with most of oh, it. Here's, here's the thing is mom at one point was ahead of me. I ended up finishing before she did. But at one point you were ahead of me and you were like, it's not that bad. Like nothing's too weird or out of control. And then when after I read the first scene where there's a lot of um, spanking. Spanking. Yeah, I was like... I mean, who hasn't done that, though? Come on, I'm Ellen. like, I'm choosing not to think <laughs> too hard on the fact that mom doesn't think that this is weird. Um, <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> Everyone's got their kinks. <laughs> Gosh, no. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, but yeah, I was like, I read that first scene and I'm like, I've broken mom. Mom doesn't. <laughs> Mom's reading spanking and she doesn't. Maybe I was a little broken before. <laughs> oh, no. Um, yeah, the ladies at Heaving Bosoms were looking forward to us talking about uh, clit slaps. Clit those slaps. Two. And that was like a little short mention. It wasn't even that big of a deal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, there's there was definitely more aggressive yes it was i would agree with that it was very aggressive sex especially before they started like falling back in love kind of thing maybe i'm not mad at it i don't know (laughs) but she like always wanted it rough i was like girl you tell him what you want (laughs) a lot of hair pulling and yeah slapping of different body parts body parts Yeah, but I think what I found is that mom's hard line is she just doesn't like anal. I don't like anal. (laughs) (laughs) I have to draw the line somewhere, Ellen. (laughs) It's an orifice line. No, I mean, and I mean, I think for you, and there are some like books that I've read and um, or like book descriptions and I'm like, oh, mom can't read that. You don't like super taboo like pairings or you wouldn't animals farm animals that kind of stuff (laughs) no no i would not be into that (laughs) what was the one oh so people keep recommending oh uh, yeah i don't want like 18 year old daughter's friends with their dad friend you know yeah mom wouldn't like that and then um the one that everybody the sierra simone that everybody keeps recommending i think it's pre sinner or, or priest I think it's, I can't remember, by Sierra Simone, and it's, oh, like, right. about the priest, and... Yeah, I would have a problem with that. Yeah. So um, it's not necessarily the sex act itself, it's the people involved. Yeah, you don't like, you don't like super taboo pairings, and you don't like anal. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Do you want to read those with me, Ellen? <laughs> no, I don't. I'll read them. <laughs> no, thank you. But then you gotta listen to me gripe about it. Yeah, I know. That's true. Um, But yeah, I think also for me, maybe because, um, I don't know, like I braced myself for the worst. I was definitely braced for the worst. And then it was like, oh, that's not that bad. Yeah. That's kind of the way I walked away. (laughs) But it was, it was just kind of cracking me up that you were like, oh, it's not that bad. I'm like, I'm choosing. I'm going to think, I'm not going to dwell on that mom doesn't find this. Too extreme. Well, I mean, I'm not a nun, Ellen. <laughs> okay. 
Okay, so here's a somewhat related question, and I'm just curious. I've seen it both ways. What is the correct spelling of cum? I always thought C-U-M, but... (laughs) This one has C-O-M-E. I know, and I'm thinking, well, you know, I'm getting into my homophones and homonyms, and... (laughs) um, It's probably a word that, like... (laughs) Well, it's probably, like, a made-up word. Yeah, that's what I was, like, there's, is come in the Oxford English Dictionary, <laughs> the OED. I remember, here's my, here's my story on this. This was at church. Oh, <laughs> One no. of the guys that I go to church with. Oh, I have. Kenny's he's like, Julie, Julie you, got, you got to see this. And so we go into one of the offices there, and there's a sign, a handwritten sign that someone wrote, please don't get your gum on the floor. But the G looked exactly <laughs> like, a, like C. a C. And we laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed. Now, not everybody at church I could laugh with about that or who would bring it to my attention. Yeah, but this is a good case. friend. So we were, we were cool. <laughs> um, I think I prefer C-U-M just because it like, distinguishes it a bit when I'm like reading through this is just a funny conversation (laughs) (laughs) I'm just (laughs) I'm just saying it came up a few times and it did come up a few times (laughs) and I even thought the same thing I'm like wait what yeah yeah I I have read other books where it's also spelt that way and I've and I've just wondered it well, maybe maybe people can you know write in about this. Yeah, Ch- chime in on our cum talk. <laughs> it's a new feature on the show. <laughs> Welcome back to cum talk. <laughs> It'll only be once a month or so. <laughs> uh. Oh boy. Okay. So, let's shift gears a bit. What was your swooniest moment in this one? Okay. Okay. So, there's the big grand gesture at the end. Of course, that's going to be a swoony moment. Yeah. But the part that I, I wouldn't say I cried, but I teared up a little bit, was um, actually, Libby wasn't even in the scene. And it was um, when he went to her house and was trying to climb the trellis, and then her mom came out and, you know... Gave him a hard time and then had him come inside. So he's in the house talking to Libby's mom and her aunt. Mm-hmm. And um, she's, I even highlighted it, so I'm going to read it from the book. Look at you. And um, so he's talking to her aunt and her mom. And he's, and he shook his head. He says, I only want to make up for my mistake. And what was your mistake, Nicholas? He turns to Tanny. I gave up. Mm-hmm. And so when he is admitting to her mother that he gave up on their relationship instead of fighting for her. Yeah. And that was one of my swooniest moments is when he, you know, admitted that he should have fought harder for her. So yours is very similar to mine. I, mine also doesn't have Livy in it. And it's when he's telling his dad that. Right. He, um, that he's, and I like that he's just sitting in meeting and he gets distracted, and they're like, where's your mind? And he's like, you know, I was just thinking of something else. And he's like, actually, no, I was thinking of Libby. That's what I was thinking of. And then he takes his cookies, and you can just see him eating his cookies. <laughs> yeah. And just telling his dad off, and you're like, yeah. 
Um, I really liked, so I liked that moment. And then I wrote down this line, and this is when, at the end, um, when they're kind of hashing it out, uh, after he's made his big declaration at the store, he says, you don't have to trust me completely right now, but watch me, watch me fight for you this time. And I think, I mean, I find it interesting that both of our swooning moments were him just being like, no, I'm going to do it this time. I'm going to. I'm going to actually fight for this this time. Right. Um, yeah, just because that's that's swoony to us. Well, I like the whole idea of him going all these years thinking that they had a mutual breakup. And then it, it him realizing yeah. after talking to Jackson that, no, this was all me. I had my speech already. And, and what else was she going to do besides agree with me? I mean. Yeah. Because so. she... You know, there's this, like, saying in the family, I'm not going to get it right, but it's about, like, quitting and how it's not over until you just quit. Right. And um, and she kind of references that and says, "What when the other person quits, though, like, what else what can are you, you do? Yeah. What, what can you do? And, um, and so I liked, yeah, and any time, like, after Jackson tells him about how she was like suicidal after they broke up and then just how much it like tears him apart like that broke my heart every yeah. time when he was just like when he would think about that and just you know and he said to her mom i think or or jackson anyway he says i need to make up for every tear she shed for me yeah so that was sweet. Yeah. That was sweet. They were good. I like, yeah, I really liked this one. It was. They were unhealthy for a long time, but it was, yeah. in fact, the whole book was about them going from an unhealthy relationship to a very yeah. healthy. Yeah. So, yeah, I would say this was a very, a very pleasant surprise. I was prepared for, you know, super kinky, yeah. <laughs> just, just like erotic uh, type book but there was a lot going on that I really liked in this one and it wasn't as bad as we were prepared for um, well I want to read the rest of the series so you guys gotta let me know if I <laughs> if <you laughs> does should. it get worse than spanking is there and anal clit flaps <laughs> is it worse than that you guys um, clue me in so we got a lot of comments on uh, this one from listeners uh Nav said, I'm looking forward to this episode because it is Alicia Rye and you'll be uncomfortable with mom. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Here's the thing that I will say. I have read some other Alicia Rye that mom will never read. Um, So (laughs) that some of the books that were not under the Avon banner, I'll just leave it at that. Um, Elizabeth said, I tend to like somewhat sweeter romances, but even though Hate to Want You was out of my typical comfort zone, I still really liked it. Enough to read the rest of the series. I think I responded to the family saga aspect more than anything else. And yeah, I... Like what you were saying. Yeah. Um, Nara said, I think I wasn't on board for 80% of the book. (laughs) Um, Their relationship was so healthy, it made me cringe. However, the ending was sweet. Um... I find that interesting, Nara, but agree to disagree. I, I, well, we I, kind of agreed with that. That, like, yeah, I th- I think though, I didn't ever find them like unfixable. Ooh. Yeah, and I think with them, um, I don't know. I could always, I could always see that it was going to get better, right. and that they were just coming from a very confused and non. Well, first of all. 
their family backgrounds were jacked up. Yeah. And they, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on. There. Yeah. Um, Paige said, it's been a while since I read this one, but I really enjoyed it. And it was very hot. Hopefully not too much for Ellen's mom. Uh, nah, <laughs> well, she can handle it. Well, should, I love how you're all looking out for me. Should, nah, nah Thanks, she girls. can handle it. Should be a good conversation. LOL. Um, Christy said this book and the rest of the series is so fire emoji, fire emoji, fire emoji and angsty. I can't resist an enemies to lovers book. And this was a bit of a twist on that trope. Uh, I love Alicia Rye and can't wait to hear your thoughts. Simply Alexandra said, gracious, this book was steamy. I really enjoyed the tattoo element. Who knew? (laughs) Yeah, I did too. I thought that was right. And I'm not a tattoo person. I mean, I don't personally have any tattoos. Mom did um, almost get a tattoo once. I did almost get a tattoo. And then I decided there was no part of my body I really wanted to enhance with artwork. Well, here's, (laughs) yeah, that's okay. Because I was actually just talking to a coworker about this. The thing is, is I don't trust any part of my body to not expand. (laughs) <laughs> and make a tattoo look That's, bad it's a little yeah exactly <laughs> or to sag yeah and, <laughs> and like because um, like i could do like neck or something like that but i don't i don't want i wouldn't get a tattoo somewhere where i can't cover it up personally so yeah that's that's how that went down. Yeah. Um, but I did really like the tattoo, and I liked how her body kind of told the story of their relationship. Relationship, and, yeah. Yeah, and I like when he kind of puts together, yeah. you know. How they got, each ki- he's like, did you get one of these after every time that we were together? And she's like, maybe, but it's not a big deal. Like, who cares? Like, it's just a coincidence. <laughs> that's, that's healthy, right? <laughs> um, K-squared Reed said, uh, oh, my goodness. Because I announced Pillow Talk and the book at the same time. She said, oh my goodness, Pillow Talk is one of my all-time favorites. Good call on using it to balance out the steaminess and hate to love you because, good lord, that book. She said, I loved the Forbidden Heart series so much. Um, and then Kristen on Instagram said, can't wait for your thoughts on this book. You would think I would have learned by now not to judge books by their covers or titles. But I really judged the crap out of this book before I read it. I'm a horrible person, clearly. <laughs> anywho, I was—I would say that we probably judged as well. Yeah. Um, she said, uh, anywho, I was wrong and love, love, loved it. I don't remember the steam level, so I will take everyone else's word for it. I just remember thoroughly enjoying it. Second Chance is one of my least favorite tropes because some authors just say, I used to love him slash her, and that's all we get in the buildup or development. So I never feel the connection. Not so with this one. Anyway, I wish I was better with the words and the memory to articulate why I love this book. I just hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, Yeah, I would say the same thing. Like, um, she did a really good job of conveying, like, what their relationship was like and the Why it fell apart to begin with. Because sometimes with a second chance romance, you're like, well, then why did you guys break up to begin with if you're just so in love with each other now, you know? Yeah. Um, But you totally understood why they fell apart, you kind of understand why they stuck it out for 10 years, even though it was kind of sick and twisted. Yeah. And then, you know, you could see why they wanted to get back together again. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I would say this was a definite win column. I would also like to read the other books when I find them time to do so. <laughs> um, but I am curious. I am very curious as to um, how the other two books play out just because of, the family drama. I need to know what's going on. I, I want to, I want to get on that. I want to read yeah. the rest of it. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so those are our thoughts and some of your thoughts on Hate to Want You by Alicia Rye. We would love to hear more from you on our Facebook page, Goodreads Group, our Twitter, which is at Not Your Mom's Rum, or you can email us at Not Your Mom's Romance Book Club at gmail.com. So if you want to read along with us and email us with your thoughts, or if you would like just a book for us to read, we'd love to hear from you. On March 25th, we will be discussing Kill the Queen by Jennifer Estep in our next mini episode. Um, it's exciting. We haven't done like a fantasy paranormal in a while. I can't, um, I can't hear the title of that book without thinking of Shaun of the Dead. <laughs> Kill the Queen. <laughs> Kill the Queen. <clears throat> uh, see that movie if you haven't. Okay, so for now we're going to take a break and when we come back we'll be talking about Pillow Talk. So stay pillow with us. Pillow Talk. It's time for a break. It's time for a break. Break is when we do the news and mail. I couldn't figure. I couldn't think of an impression to <laughs> I was do. Say, this is that time. supposed to be someone? It sounds like Ellen. That's yeah. your impression of Ellen yeah. doing our news and break thing. <laughs> okay, so we got a few messages and such that we're going to read this time. So Patricia wrote in, she said, Hi, Ellen and Mom. Love your podcast. I discovered it around the beginning of the year and have been trying to catch up on old episodes as well as keep up with the new ones. I was listening to your episode on Wanderlust by Lauren Blakely and decided Mm. to get the audible.com romance package specifically to listen to Wanderlust and find out what the deal is with Richard Armitage. She said, I had no idea who he was. I had never seen his face nor heard his voice before. Oh, well, now I know. Now I <laughs> yeah. get it. Sigh. She said, not only is his natural low and rumbly British accent delicious, but his delivery is slow and steady and sort of hypnotic. Yeah, it is. Yeah, um, it is. She said, I enjoyed all his accents. I was amazed at how nimble he was uh, switching between them. British, American, French, French with an American accent, English with a French accent. He's a really talented narrator, and I can see why he's your favorite. He's one of mine now, too. Thanks for recommending Wanderlust in your podcast. It was a really enjoyable listen. Keep up the great work, Patricia. <clears throat> the funny thing is that we got three separate... I don't know what was going on, but we got three separate messages about Wanderlust and Richard Armitage um, this <laughs> past week. So, And we I, did that one like a year ago. Yeah, it was a while ago now. Uh, Diva Girl Mom, she said, I stumbled onto your podcast and I don't know if anyone responded, but I can affirm that I sent Wanderlust to a friend who had never seen Armitage and she texted me regularly while listening and devoured the audiobook twice. (laughs) Um, And then Nicole on Twitter said, I've been working on all your episodes, but randomly listened to Wanderlust because of Richard Armitage and then listened to your episode. OMG, I agree with each point and all the love, Richard Armitage. Uh, Keep keep it up, guys. And, yeah, so I love that people are just, just still discovering the joy <laughs> discovering of that audiobook. The, oh, my gosh. Seriously. Because that makes one me want to go listen to that again. Oh, boy. Just, I could just listen to, like, key parts of that and just be That first magically. kiss? Oh, I played that for my husband on the, you know, in the car, and I was like, just listen to this. Just listen. Seriously. Honey, a little of that would go a long way. <laughs> First of all, you need a British accent. You need a deep, rumbly voice. Oh, gosh. His voice is just insane. Um, Michelle on Facebook said, I was very surprised to find that you just now read a medieval romance. It is my absolute 
It is absolutely my favorite period for romances. You have to read Kingdom of Dreams by Judith McNaught. It is my favorite romance of all time. I know that that's like a big one for a lot of people. Um, well, Jude McNaught is, is a big one for a lot of people, and we've never read one. So Yeah, so maybe she'll have to be in our next batch of um, of books that we read. And then we got a message on Facebook. Um, I am going to butcher your name, sweetheart, and I'm really sorry. Penny Chaya. I hope I got that close. Uh, she said, sorry to bother you two weeks in a row, but I was listening to your episode 30, Long Shot by Kennedy Ryan, and you mentioned a Turkish TV series, <laughs> Erkenci Kush, and my gosh, Can or John, John, it's, I always I was see it and still say Can, but John is so, huh, that she just has a noise there. Uh, this is going to get weird, but I'm normally not into live human beings. She says, Optimus Prime is my ultimate husband. Uh, she says, but this man, he's just so sigh. His whole, his whole being exudes hotness. The way he moves and speaks and just beady. Yeah. Yeah. He is like the epitome yeah. of that. Um, I'm still only an episode on episode one of the show, and I saw that there are at least 30 out, so I'm a little worried that the story will drag out and that there will be a lot of misunderstandings and stuff. Thai dramas do a lot of that, but I'm definitely hooked and invested now. Once again, thank you for such a great recommendation. Um, I did respond, and I told her it does do a little bit of that. It does. Well, I think that they were just kind of planning on one season, and then they got picked up for another season, so they had to drag the whole thing out yeah, longer. Yeah, it's been pretty successful out there. Um, and then it's been so successful, like, elsewhere. I mean, it's. I think it's yeah. been, like, a pretty breakout hit for them internationally. And just so you know, the last couple episodes, he's been kind of pissing me off. But mm-hmm. I think he redeems himself this week. I haven't watched it yet. So I have fallen a bit behind. Yeah, on Kush. Yeah. Um, she keeps me the- hooked on these weird things, and then she just like starts dragging her feet. And I'm like, you cannot do this to me. <laughs> well, here's the thing: like when you get a little bit behind on a Turkish show, because each episode is two and a half hours, so it's like you get a bit behind, and then it just starts to pile up. And now it's like, I don't. I need to find you know, sixteen hours to catch up <laughs> on you know the the five episodes that I need to watch. So. Um, I will get caught up because I, I still do love that show. It's just, um, it's just a lot of work. And the thing with that show is you can't, cause I, I have a lot of shows that I just throw on while I'm doing something else. And you can, you really have to focus you on it. You can't, you have to read it and read the whole thing. So, well, and I mean, she's going on about John and I do love John, but my Wait, true delight. She, well, here's the thing. She hasn't met Osman yet, Mom. Not Well, I do love Osman. I mean, I do love Osman, except he's kind yeah. of bugging me right now. But Sanem is the gem of the show. Yeah, that's true. She and, is And she is just, I know you guys make fun of me, but she is delightful. And um, <laughs> She is. She's utterly delightful. Utterly delightful. And I just love watching her. And her com- comedic styles are just... Yeah, she's she's so the best fun. part of that show for sure. Um, and here's the other thing I want to run past all y'all. Um, do you guys have any interest if we were to create like a Facebook group um, rather than just a page? So something that like we could all interact uh, interact on rather than just us. Um, if you guys would be interested, I don't want it to just be mom and I on there. 
Because I talk to her enough. <laughs> yeah, you guys need to join. However, the thing I like about this is I can say whatever I want on there, and it's not going to show up on my other Facebook page. That's true. Mom likes when it's uh, when it's. I like my anonymity. Yeah, she does. <laughs> From all of her church From friends. All my friends. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I, I, I get along better with the people I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, so let us know what you guys think about that. If you would have, if you would join, if we did that. Um, and if you have a good, awesome name for what our what our Facebook group should be called. Um, okay, so I think that should do it. Don't forget that we are going to be at KissCon. If you are going to be there, we want to see you. Um, and that is in Chicago on April 5th through the 7th. And also at Book Bonanza in Dallas on August 9th through the 10th. Uh, and we're super excited for both of those. So those. we hope some of you are going. Um, anyway, uh, we will see you in the next break segment and yeah. Bye. Bye. Welcome back. We've made it pretty clear around here that we love a good rom-com. True. So we're going to start this new thing where occasionally we do a deep dive into a good old romantic comedy. And I think we're going to call it Rom-Com Talk, just so I can sing the theme song like that, which is the theme song to Pillow Talk. So our first edition, we are talking about Pillow Talk. I picked this one before reading Hate to Want You and went solely based off the title because they kind of hate to want each other in the movie as well. So just with a lot less angst and family drama. It's true. Um, So mom, let's talk about our history with this movie. So... Had you seen it before I became super obsessed with it? Yeah, I saw it as a kid. I mean, I saw it when I was younger. Okay. I don't remember, like, how that all started. I don't remember, like, the series of events that led me to Pillow Talk. I don't either, but I do. I think I'd seen it, and I thought, this is something Ellen would enjoy. Because I would usually pick out movies based on... I mean, as you know, I never would pick out things the boys want, because they wanted stupid movies. Yeah, But I could get Ellen to watch... The cool movies I liked. So, well, and, and we Pillow talked Talk, about of course, we is a were, cool movie. <laughs> super cool. Um, we were talking about how, like, growing up, I feel like I remember going every Friday after school. We would go to, we had Hollywood Video, which but was it's like a blockbuster. Yeah, it's I don't. It was just a chain in California. I don't know. Anyway, um, so we would go there every Friday and get like movies that we wanted to watch that weekend and I think that's where Pillow Talk came in. Probably. We'd pick up like three movies and that would be our weekend. Yeah. Um but it instigated a pretty serious obsession for me. I remember my thirteenth birthday we had like we moved the T V to the backyard, which was no easy feat back then, you guys. Yeah. When it those... was a big ugly <laughs> T V. Yeah. yeah, with those like boob tubes. It was... Um so we moved it to the backyard. Um, and also noteworthy about my 13th birthday was that was the night I started my period. Oh, there you go. So, Everyone needed to know that, Ellen. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. But we had like a slumber party in the backyard and we watched Pillow Talk and Gidget because ah. I was a super cool 13-year-old. <laughs> Were you though? <laughs> Watching movies from the 50s and 60s. <laughs> I tell you, though, after watching Pillow Talk again today, it stands up. 
It does. It's so it's so damn enjoyable. Like it's it's funny. I mean, it's it is. It, I'll tell you what. Doris Day has her greatest feature in the acting. Smile. Okay, that's okay. Her eye roll. She has eye rolls oh, down. She yeah. can just really, you know, she's <laughs> yeah, got the true. eye roll down. That's great. I just love her. And I had like I had an album of like music by her that I would I remember I would like put it on my CD player that I had in my room um and I would listen to it as I went to bed and that so like anytime I hear some of those songs that reminds me of falling asleep when I was 13 <laughs> um but I was a really super weird 13 year old I was really um, into like are we just gonna put that to 13 <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you spread that across lots I of watched, ages. <laughs> I you guys need to watch. I I posted about it on social media, but this Pen Fifteen show, oh my gosh, it hits too close to home for a lot of things. But just like being super weird and awkward in just general, which I feel like everybody can uh, commiserate with on at that age. It's just a bad age. But um, yeah, I was into like old movies and old. Singers, you had a lot of CDs by old singers. Yeah, like I raided my grandparents' record collection for for records and CDs. Like that was that's that was my main go to. Yeah, vinyl before vinyl was cool. <laughs> yeah. Um. So this movie, it may be hard to believe by today's standards, but this movie was quite risque for the time. Uh, you've got this Playboy bachelor who literally has a sex trap bachelor pad, and they at least insinuate sex before marriage several times. Um, keep in mind that this is the same time that married couples were sleeping in two twin beds on TV. So, Mom, pretty key to the plot of this movie is this party line. So you're older than me, and I remember asking you when I first watched this movie, what the heck is a party line? <laughs> so explain what a party line is. Well, <laughs> I, I, we never even had a party line, so they were yeah. a little bit before even my time. But when phones first started showing up in everyone's home, they couldn't make lines fast enough so that everybody had their own line in their own house. So they would have what they called a party line where sometimes up to five, six families would share one phone line and they would all have the same phone and number. And I bet they were pretty common in like this, this takes place in New York and New York. I bet. There was, uh, they were pretty common in cities like that. Well, they even talk about it in the movie about how they're trying to get, you know, individual lines into everywhere, but it's, you know, it's, it's a structural nightmare. Yeah. And, um, so that's what they were. So this is just the two people sharing a line, but sometimes, like I said, there would be lots of families on one phone line. Yeah. So Jan Morrow, played by Doris Day, and Brad Allen, played by Rock Hudson, share a party line, and she is getting pretty fed up with him tying up their phone line with his wooing of his many women. He's got this silly song that he sings to all of them. Um, he, he tells each of them that he wrote the song for them. <laughs> it's so funny. There's this moment where he's, like, pretending to, like, write. He's got this girl over, and she's like, wow, nobody's ever written a song for me. And he's, like, pretending to write it for the first time when <laughs> we've seen him, like, sing it three times to three different women before this point. And she's, um, heard, she's heard him sing it to all these different women, so she yeah. knows what a player he is. Yeah. Um, they argue and snipe at each other over a lot, uh, over the phone a lot, but have never met. 
meanwhile, meanwhile, one of Jan's interior design clients, Jonathan, played by Tony Randall, is in the process of trying to woo her. He is also Brad's friend and benefactor for his songwriting. So one night while at the club, Brad sees Jan for the first time and puts together who she is. Knowing that he can't woo her as himself, he puts on a fake Texas accent and woos her as Breck Stetson. And from there, hilarity and hijinks ensue. So we won't get too much more into the plot, but Mom, what do you think of Pillow Talk? I love Pillow Talk. And I was watching it today and I was like, okay, anyone who's out there, if you love Pillow Talk, you have to watch Down With Love. With yeah. Renee Zellweger and you, uh, it didn't that? get very good reviews, but it is a lot of fun. Like it's, and especially if you like Pillow Talk, especially if you like this kind of movie, yeah, because it's got like the whole split screen, and you know, there's a lot of innuendos in this, but they like really ramp it up, <laughs> really ramp it up. If you're a fan of innuendo, there's a lot of that in Down with Love, um, but it's very obviously pulling a lot from Pillow Talk. Pillow Talk. Um, so here's a question. If they were to remake this movie, how could they do it? Because he's essentially catfishing her. Yeah. So. It's, well, there's a lot of things in this. I was like, wow, they couldn't get away with that today. Yeah. And, and, you know, and every one of these movies had this scene in it. And, but I thought, holy cow. But when she's crying and crying, she's hysterical. So Tony Randall says, I'm doing this for your own good. And he reaches out and just slaps her across the face. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, Wow. You really couldn't get away with that today. At least, at least this movie has the guys that are like stand up and go and, you know, and punch, punch him. him in the face. Um, yeah, there's no denying that this movie is slightly problematic by today's standards. Um, I mean, basically, Rock Hudson's apartment was what Matt Lauer was pulling over at uh, the Today Show. And he got in trouble for it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Did uh, Rock Hudson get in trouble? Um, but yeah, this movie. I, I just, I love it. I know it's problematic, but it's, it's funny. Okay, well, then let's look at what we love about it. Because we love Doris Day and Rock Hudson. Yeah. They're both delightful. Yeah. I do love. Fishy. Yeah, he is. And he's like six foot four. He's this big, tall drink of water. Yeah. And um, I, I love, love her clothes are to her die for. Her clothes are amazing. Yes. Um, and I love when they send the female phone inspector over to like, <laughs> that's the and, best. and Doris Day is like, that's like sending a marshmallow to a bonfire. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and he's, she's like, she's like, well, ha- has she been complaining? And he's like, I've never had any complaints before. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> but it's just hilarious. And, I mean, um. My favorite part, besides the clothes and all of that, is um, I love, it's kind of like You've Got Mail, and that my favorite part is when he starts messing with her. Yeah. <laughs> and, and just watching him. Um, well, he, he'll call her and t- be talking to her with his Texas accent, <laughs> and asking her out, and being all sweet and charming, and then he'll call her right back as yeah. himself, and he's like, you're not really going to go out with this guy. He is just... <laughs> After you, <laughs> well, he's my, always got her guard up because he's always telling her these horrible things the guy's trying to do. My favorite part is when she's um, on the phone with Rex, and he comes in and is like, "Hello, hello, hello! Get off this line!" And she's like, "Oh, you get off! I'm in the middle of a you're in my half hour." <laughs> yeah, and and then he comes on back on. He's like, "Who was that?" <laughs> she's like, "Oh, that's my party line," <laughs> and. He's just messing with her the whole time, and I just, I I know it's, 
it's not it's not appropriate and in real life it wouldn't be cool but it's very amusing and funny it is very amusing and um i also love for, well first of all i want to point out it's a film made in 59 so it, it does have sexual innuendos and stuff but the fact that she's a strong female working single woman I mean, yeah. that's a big deal then. And let's talk about how at the time she was like 37. So it's not even like she's this young little miss. It's, you know, she was a working woman. Woman, yeah. With a capital W. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's great. And then, but I do have to point out, I love her lushy maid. Uh, yes. Thelma Ritter plays her maid. <laughs> she is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> And, and I love when she goes out drinking with Rock Hudson. Rock and he's like, they could he use just her him under the table. He's <laughs> yeah. like, they could use her in Moscow to, <laughs> to get secrets out of people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I I love her. Um, yeah, I just I I just love I just love this movie, and I love that like there's just a lot of things that I think if they did in movies today it would be kind of seen as cheesy. Like, I like the voiceover that they kind of keep switching between their thoughts, like, when they're out. And it's just, it adds a lot of humor because, you know, he's saying, like, I'm not going to get away with it. And she's just like, oh, he's so charming and handsome and funny. (laughs) (laughs) And then I love, talk about cheesy, the uh, dating montage. Yeah. Where they're just walking around looking at all these beautiful sights of New York. and Yeah. Um, And uh, the split screen was considered pretty risque at the time, as I understand it, because it kind of makes it appear like they're in the bath together. And it it really did, because he was sitting on one end, she was on the other end. Yeah. And, like, he runs his foot along her instep, (laughs) and she kind of backs away. Yeah. and I also really love the moment when they're out at the club and the club singer, like, catches on to the <laughs> what's, going to on. what's going on. And they're, they're walking away and she sings that song like, you lied, you dog, <laughs> and dog. you'll be sorry. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> There's just, yeah, I, I think that it's definitely like a screwball comedy. There's a lot of the, um, there's a lot of the... Um, you well, know, the whole, the whole scene at the end where she redecorates his apartment and it's atrocious. Yeah. And then, I mean, he's trying to get back <laughs> really in her. Bad. He wants just to interact with her in some way. And so his friend says, you know, or no, Alma tells her, hire, hire her to you decorate your apartment. apartment. Yeah. So he does. And she just makes it ghastly. Yeah. And then he gets, goes in there and he's so mad. He just goes into her apartment, grabs her out of bed. This is all very risque stuff. Yeah. Grabs her out of bed has the blanket over, but it's an electric blanket. So the whole time they're walking, this cord is dragging behind him. And it's just funny because people have to keep moving the cord. I don't know. It just was like a funny little element that... Well, and the the thing that's probably the most silly is um, he, at one point, walks in to hide from her into this, like, OB, OB's <laughs> office. And, um, you know, basically not knowing where he is insinuates that he's pregnant and so they they're like, like i need to see the doctor i need an appointment with the doctor and she's like you probably, need an appointment probably just my stomach and probably just a false alarm <laughs> <laughs> but it's all very silly um but yeah i i would just say like if you haven't seen it 
it's definitely worth a watch. Because, yeah, it definitely still holds up. And it's hard for me to separate if my enjoyment with it is pure nostalgia just because it is so... Because your mom introduced you to fine film when you were younger. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. But we, you know, in our family, we love a good innuendo. And we do love like a good sexual innuendo. And there's a lot of them in this movie. There is a I, lot of I them. do like, speaking of when he's walking down the street with her and the kid's like, where's that man taking that lady, mommy? And she's like, I'll tell you when you're older. I'll tell you when you're older. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, because I was... I was oh, more aware of it in this watching because I knew we were going to be talking about this movie. Um, it it was like pr- there's there is a lot of innuendo in this yeah. movie, and especially for the time. I mean, like yeah, like you said, we're not even well. In and the 60s here's the funny yet. part. I mean, when we're talking about completely inappropriate, but like he has this switch, and you push the switch, and a record starts playing. The lights get lowered, and the door locks. What's that about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's First the Matt Lauer aspect. How, how would you even hook that up? Second of all. <laughs> Especially, I mean, like, now you can with all these. Are you locking you know, like, them in or are you locking other people out? Both, I think. Because when she tries to leave, he has to flip the switch so yeah. that she can get out. <laughs> but I like the reveal of the second switch, which folds the his bed. couch into, <laughs> into a bed. <laughs> and I like when she figures out what those switches do and she's just staring at it like, this freaking guy. <laughs> you man whore. <laughs> um, also, we, we paid props to uh, Thelma Ritter, but I also props to Tony Randall. He also yeah. is pretty funny. Um, he, is. he is like perfect casting in Down With Love that they get David Hyde Pierce to like play his role. Right. Because he is the 60s version of David Hyde Pierce. And a surprise... Uh, Knock out of the park in Down with Love is Sarah Paulson. Yeah, it's true. Like before we knew really who yeah. she was. Um yeah. Highly recommend this movie. I think it holds up. It's really funny. Um so Pillow Talk, when we said that we were doing Pillow Talk, it got a lot of love. Apparently there are some people that are as familiar with this one as we are. Um <laughs> but there were also some people who were like, Oh, I've never seen Pillow Talk. So I hope that you guys are getting on it because it's a great movie. Um, well worth the watch. Yeah. Elizabeth on Facebook said, Gah, I'm there for the pillow talk. One of my top five favorite movies of all time. I wanted to be Doris Day when I grew up. Um, and she has some amazing <coughs> pillow talk Barbies, which I am yeah, super jealous super jealous. Of. Um, so, yeah. I also wanted to if be If we were Doris also Day. to recommend more Doris Day, we love the thrill of it all. I love Thrill... Yeah, Thrill of It All is probably my next favorite. And speak... Like, she was most known for being with Rock Hudson, but she also did a few movies with uh, young James Gardner, who was also... What? I was supposed to marry young James Gardner. Yeah, mom was. Mom had a dream <laughs> after she married my dad that she was supposed to have married James Gardner. And so that's he, been a joke in our marriage since we've been married. He was super <clears throat> dishy, though, when he was... He was. Young. And in um, my dream, by the way, I was married to young James Gardner, like like not like old man James Gardner. Yeah, um, he he was no slouch though as an old man either. Um, and then uh, we really like uh, thrill of it all, move over, darling. Yeah. And then one of my favorites is Romance on the High Seas, was actually um, her first movie. Um, and I just think she's oh, she's yeah. 
She's just so cute. I just love she's her. Cute. Well, because we were watching today, and my husband was watching with me. He says, says she's just adorable. She's not beautiful. And I yeah. said, yeah, but she's just so dang cute. And she's so, like, charismatic, right? Yeah. And, um, yeah, she, and I just love her. I think, and she's got a lot of great movies. So if you are not super familiar, I mean, she's she was in uh, Man Who Knew Too Much, which is yeah. a good one. That's a Hitchcock. If you, if you want to hear her sing, because she sings for a really long time in that movie. <laughs> she does sing for a long time in that movie. Um, the... Uh, I wish that I could say, oh, you can find this on Netflix or Hulu or something. But I actually had to buy it on Amazon um, because someone had my copy of it. I'm not pointing fingers, but I think Ellen took my DVD. Um, So I I had to actually buy it on Amazon to watch it. Yeah. Um, Anyway, I would love to hear if anybody just like watched it because we were going to talk about it and had never seen it before what you thought. Um, so hopefully somebody did that just cause I'd be curious. Um, but I'm glad other people love this movie as much as we do and, um, hope our giggling about all of our favorite parts was at least fun. <clears throat> we um, had fun. <laughs> yeah. I just, I, I loved rewatching it. It had been a while and I, well. and it was just like, oh, I forgot how much I love this movie. Um, so thanks so much for joining us. Again, if you'd like to join us for Kill the Queen by Jennifer Estep in one week on March 25th, you can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever your favorite podcasts are sold for free. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at NotYourMomsRum or on Facebook or Goodreads or email us at NotYourMomsRomanceBookClub at gmail.com. And let us know what you guys think about the Facebook group idea if that is something that you would be interested in. Uh, don't forget to leave a review and because it helps the show and we just love to read them. All right. Thanks, Mom. You're welcome, Ellen, and we'll see you next time. Bye.